it's not that I didn't like the person I was. It's just the unknown scared. Yeah. Again, it comes back to the control, control thing. You know, contacted my psychologist, booked in sessions with her, and I was convinced I had postpartum depression. And mm. I kept begging her. I was like, please, I, there's something, something not quite right. And she's like, this is motherhood. Your brain is changing. It's all changing, Renee. It's okay. This is normal. Hi everyone, welcome back to No Place Like Home. I am Larissa and I'm here with Jess. Hello. And we are joined today by Dr. Renee White um, of also Fill Your Cup. Um, welcome. Thank you. Thanks All so the way from Tassie. <gasps> Thank uh, you for I am us. Melbourne born and bred, so <laughs> I feel like I'm back at home. Right. So <laughs> how long have you been in Tassie for? Uh, two years now. Right. We fled the mainland during COVID. You're a COVID jumper. I am. I am. (laughs) Good on you. Yes, we're one of those crazy families that bought their house off the internet uh, after my mother-in-law walked through there on FaceTime um, because my husband's a Tassie boy. Yeah, okay. And um, off we went. (laughs) Good on you. Well, there you go. Now we know a bit about you. (laughs) Um, Talk us through your qualifications, training, so, uh, obviously I'm a doula, postpartum mm-hmm. doula, um, but I guess I'm a biochemist by trade. So right. back in the day, uh, did a science degree, honours, stayed on, God knows why, um, <laughs> and got a PhD in biochemistry. Uh, I guess my second major was immunology right. and uh, then was a medical researcher for quite a number of years um, and pulled the pin on that and then decided uh, what's better than more education and then went and did a <laughs> master's in intellectual property law and then I was an attorney for almost oh a decade. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> You're not exactly choosing things that are like... The same. No. no. Or like just, I'll just do this. This is something nice to do. <laughs> I'm just going to go up here. Wow. Yeah. Um, we were talking offline earlier about slash careers and just you know yes doing lots of different things all at the same time and I think that's just the way my brain's wired okay um and I guess as part of all that on the other on the side I've run a business with my husband as well so I've kind of got oh my goodness the research the business the law um you know professional services um Incredible. But, yeah, the doula stuff for me is life's passion. Like that is Mm. what I'm dedicated to now. Um, And I guess it would be remiss of me to not say that my other job is a Mm. mum. Yes. Um, So, yes, mum of one. Yes. (laughs) One and done, um, which has probably led me exactly to where I need to be as a doula. It was absolutely the catalyst for why I became doula as well as most things are in life hey yes um talk us through that oh man um where do we start yeah I know right so I guess for me like I'm I'm a child of you know a family of two girls Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest had you know that's what I grew up with so I was always like yep I'm gonna have two kids and it's gonna be great all those rose tinted glasses that we have Mm. 
Um, and so, you know, fell pregnant pretty easily, like actually too easily. Um, I still had an exam to go for my law degree and oh. I can assure you being 13 weeks pregnant and doing a four hour exam is not pleasant. Um, oh. but we got through that <laughs> and, um, yeah, pregnancy was pretty smooth sailing for me. So yeah. I was like, yeah, everything's cool. And, you know, as a researcher by heart, mm. I invested a lot of time and energy into pregnancy and, you know, I could tell you what size my baby was, you know, relative to the fruit and vegetables oh, yeah. that everyone gets told about oh, on yeah, your yeah. little daily reminders. Mm. Um, but I hadn't really thought much about what happens with life after birth, right? And... I remember speaking to a colleague at the time and she was like, oh, you know, you don't need to know. Like you just lean into your motherly intuition. I didn't read any books. It's fine. And I was like. Worst okay. advice ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. No I offense to your oh, colleague, but. I just made cross eyes and like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, okay, well, that sounds easy because evidently like this motherly intuition gets it delivered comes. to your door. Yeah. And, you know, um, it knocks. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, I'm oh, here. No, I'm here. <laughs> um, and so that's what I attempted to do. Um, spoiler alert, that didn't end well. <laughs> mm. um, did you have a plan for your birth at least? Like did you have a – did you – No, I had no plan. So, you, so no I plan. was yeah. I was in a very kind of privileged position where I – as soon as I was, you know, found out that I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a private obstetrician because – you know, society had told me that whatever you pay, that's what you get, right? Yeah. So I was oh, like, we okay. We just had this conversation. Yeah. Yes. It's like, okay, well, I want to have a really positive birth experience. So obviously I have to invest in that. Um, I do recall feeling quite underwhelmed with that whole process. Like mm. the fact that I was consistently booked into you know, uh, obstetrician and I would turn up and it'd be like a five second kind of yeah. fleeting moment of like, how are you going? Yeah. yeah you're okay. All good. Okay, great. Okay. See you later. Goodbye. And I'm like, I just spent more time in your waiting room yeah. than I did having a conversation with you. And it was part of a practice where, you know, they all share the load, which I think is great. Like it's, you know, it's a village of obstetricians, but I think as I'm kind of progressed through my pregnancy, there was definitely some obstetricians that I was like, uh, I don't think we gel very well. And I'm not really sure how I'm going to feel mm. if I turn up to the hospital in labor and you are my OB. Like I was like, I'm just not right. sure how I'm going to feel about that. Mm. Um, and I guess fast forward to the later stages of pregnancy. Um, my husband and I were living in a one bedroom apartment in Melbourne and we left it very last minute to find a rental with more space. And we moved when I was like 32, 33 weeks pregnant oh. to a new suburb. I knew no one. zilch people. I didn't like, I didn't know the coffee shops. I didn't know the parks that people hung out at. I was like, where the hell are all the other mums? And my husband just kept saying, you know, go for a walk. And I'm like, I can't walk. Are you joking yeah. me? Have you seen the bowling ball <laughs> I'm that I'm currently carrying? I take like two steps out of the door and I'm like, I need to wee. Like <laughs> I, I just can't do that. Mm. And then I went on mat leave 
at 36 weeks pregnant. Mm. And as I can probably, (laughs) you can probably tell, my life has been nothing but chaos and work and study and jobs and high expectations for myself. And my brain runs at a thousand miles an hour. And so when the opportunity arose that I was told, well, not told, it was my decision that I was going to have 12 months off to have my baby and I'm sitting at home and I've got nothing to do. And I distinctly remember texting my bestest girlfriends going, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do for, like, the next four weeks? And they're like, one of them had already had two children. She was like, go to the movies, read a book, do this, do that. And I was like, I can't. That doesn't, like, ignite my fire at all. Like, I could barely leave the house with, you know, pants Do an online course. Like, I was so big and so (laughs) exhausted. And my brain started to spiral. Mm. Completely out of control. Right. And I have pre-existing like anxiety issues and I had been seeing a psychologist for many, many years. So Mm. I knew that I had a history, but I really started to panic. And Mm. my husband is very observant. He's a, he's a good egg. And he had already kind of identified, he was like, I think we need to, um, he probably, he did not know about a doula because I guarantee you he would have recommended a doula. Mm. But he was like, I feel like we need to like get a cleaner I was like hell no he was like I feel like we need to engage like a lactation consultant because you want to breastfeed and so I feel like we need to like get experts on the books Mm. I was like not a chance that is going to come naturally it's fine I don't need anyone's help and then he was like I think we need to like build a relationship with a nanny or something like that because we didn't have any family and friends close by Mm. right they just weren't available And I was like, not a chance. It's not happening. Stop trying to like push people onto me. I've got this. Because I had always been rewarded for climbing the ladder by achieving things by myself. And so I I was like, here is the biggest role I'm possibly ever going to step into, being a mum, and you're telling me that I need someone else to help me. And I was furious. Like I was so cross. Wow. Um, In hindsight, I probably should have (laughs) leaned into that. And I can tell you that we ended up engaging all three of those people when the had hit the fan afterwards and I had completely just crumbled. But it got to the point with my mental health that he pulled me aside and said, I think we need to speak to the obstetrician about this. I said, why? What's going on? He said, I'm not sure. I'm going to be able to pull you back from this Mm. ledge when you're in labour and you're not in a good way because I'm struggling already. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's a really big thing for him to say to me. Because if he knew the enormity of that at the time. Because I thought, you are my rock and I know that this is going to be really hard. So if you are already scared and I can see cracks in you, then I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. And so we booked in uh, like an emergency kind of appointment with the obstetrician and sat down with her and I went and did my research on, you know, elective caesareans and all the things and pros, benefits, cons, all the things, um, you know, I fully hit research mode yeah, <laughs> in yeah, that yeah. instance. 
And the only thing that I pulled up that I was really unsure about was the fact that, you know, when our babies move through kind of the vaginal tract, they get that beautiful kind of microbiome and, you know, there's less incidence of asthma and eczema and all of those things. And so that was the thing that panicked me about it, being the scientist okay. that I was. Um, but when we spoke to her and she said to me, so it's got nothing to do with pain, nothing, like none of that, I was like, no, like I just – um. She could tell I was not in a good way. And I think my husband was just like eyeballing her <laughs> as if to say, you better make this happen. <laughs> and she was like, okay, yeah, I can see that this is not going to end well. Oh, um, wow. So she's like, okay, let's let's book in a cesarean for you. Right. Um, but I was so panicked that I said to her, I can't leave here until you tell me when and how and where. Right. So I sat in the waiting room for three hours until they worked it out. And she was like, okay, you can come in on Friday. You're first up, 7.30. I'll see you then. Right. And it was pretty full on because, but at the same time, because I was so hell-bent on not having a cesarean because mm. I was like, oh, my God, the judgment, the guilt, how is this going to affect yeah. my baby? Was I couldn't it care less about myself. Was it a control thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but equally, I didn't want to tell anyone. Like even mm. my bestest friends, I did not want to tell anyone and I was panicking about that. Mm. Um, and he's like, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter as long yeah. as you're okay. Yeah. We knew we were having a girl. As long as she's okay, like it doesn't matter. Like look where you are right now. This is mm. not going to end well. So um, mm. I was terrified, but at the same time, it was that, uh, I guess, relinquishing control back and going, mm. I've got this, I can manage this now. Um, and it was the most, I've got nothing to compare it to, but it was the most spectacular birth ever. Like it was so beautiful and it was everything that I wanted. Um, but then the postpartum. Oh. <laughs> And it was everything that I can. Didn't I just expect. say one thing. I feel like there is a lot of shaming around cesareans, oh, yeah. and it's really toxic. Mm. And I think it's really important for people who are having an elective cesarean to to share that because it's normalizing that as well for mm. their friends. I just think any kind of shaming of anyone for their choices is not welcome, and yeah. we need to work against that any way we can. Yeah. Um, you yeah. should never be judged for how you choose to birth your baby. I know that now, Jess, mm. but it's so Of course, hard. at the time, and oh. you were a wreck as well. I, exactly. Yeah. And, you I'm know, more saying it for the listeners. Oh, you know, a- absolutely. Like, and, you know, um, we have clients as well where I, I honestly believe that, you know, people have heard my birth story previously and they have come to us knowing that there will be no judgment, Yeah, yeah. you know, because they know straight off the bat on yeah. the first conversation that we're having on the phone, it'll be, so I'm having a cesarean, I'm all booked in and I'm like, great, amazing, that's amazing. And yeah. some people are taken back but others are like, oh, yeah, I knew you'd be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just still blows my mind that we have so much judgment around all of these things that are yeah. ultimately our choice. Yeah. I, I just, it's it still just like blows my mind but. But something I feel like, you know, even in the workplace and I, you know, law firms are not, (laughs) 
<laughs> and not I don't have a great reputation for these things but you know as soon as I was pregnant as soon as anyone's pregnant I feel like something happens in society where people think that your body is fair game yeah, you know, yeah. people reaching out to touch or oh so how are you planning on birthing which hospital are you going with are you going private are you going public like yeah when does this happen? Like what? It's so At tricky. At what point does because, someone flick a switch and go, yeah. everything in my personal life is up for grabs fair, fair and P.S. I'm allowed to judge you like so many Based times. Based on the choices you're yeah. making. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I people, agree with you. It's a fine line between curiosity, like curiosity is great, judgment isn't. And yeah. it's like, yeah. Um, anyway, mm. sorry, I interrupted you before. Your no. postpartum. So tell us about your postpartum. Uh, a train wreck? Like Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. Like that's all I can tell you. Oh, it was honey. so, it was so full on. Like, again, I went private. So we had the benefits of going to a hotel on day mm-hmm. three. And I remember distinctly like lying in the bed next to my husband and like being, you know, I was terrified, like Mm. my guts are going to come out of my, you know, incision. So I'm lying on my back and I'm just crying, Mm. just hysterically crying. And I just remember him like grabbing my hand and he's like, it's going to be okay. And I said to him, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to get off the merry-go-round because it Mm. was just crying and feeding and I mean that's the, and what day were you day, day three, three. Mm, yeah did so anybody tell just, you about the hormone drop I mean like people tell you but like you don't yeah. know the reality yeah. of it like no one can say P.S. you're gonna feel like shit yeah and I think that that therein lies the detail that you yeah. know and it and it is right because you wouldn't I know that for me when I talk to people who are pregnant and they're like, Riss, I know, like, you, you'll tell me what really happens. But it is this fine line between, like... Terrifying them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> terrifying them and then, like, it needs to be their experience. Exactly. So there's, like, this softening of information yeah. that needs to happen. But, yeah, you're going to bleed. You're going to wear surfboards. That all happens after. You're going to wear condoms that are filled with... <laughs> Yeah. Ice at, you know, like all of these sorts of things. And they're not the pretty sides of it, but you've kind of got to make it mm. a bit of that, you know, what do they call it? A bit of a shit sandwich. Like <laughs> this will happen, but you'll have this amazing baby. But then this will happen. And then, yeah. But you'll feel, you know, it's, I think it's just a really hard balancing act. It's, that a, whole... it's super hard. But I think you're right in the sense that. If we had more constructive conversations yeah. around normalizing what yes. motherhood actually looks like, I even feel like I even feel like the phrase "baby blues" just is not good enough. No, like I agree like, with it's you. It's like this airy fairy, I like agree oh, with you. Yep. this baby blues on day three, and I'm like, no, no. Like the scientist in me goes, okay, what the hell does that actually mean? Yeah. Like there's a huge hormone drop, and you're going to feel like this, but it's just the chemicals in your body and this is what you're going to feel, but it's normal. Uh, Yes. That's what we have to say. It's normal. This is what happens. It happens to everyone. It won't last forever or it shouldn't last forever. And maybe, you know, these are the things that you can actually do to support you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's another conversation that we don't 
talk yeah. about, right? What are the things that you can actually do to support yourself? Like my poor husband, he was just beside himself. He was great, but he just was like. What is going on? Yeah, because I, again, I'd always been this like very determined, assertive yeah. um, person and he's just like, holy moly, she's completely lost control and yeah. don't know what to do now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't have. Did you bond with, did you feel like you had that instant like bond with her? No, not a chance. Mm. I, but again, I didn't know that I had choices, Mm. right? Like no one said to me, um, do you want her to stay with you in theatre or do you want her to go with your husband? I was told so what's going to happen? Mm. Is it going to take her and then they're going to do this and then she'll go with your husband and then they'll finish, you know, suturing you up and all the rest of it. And, like, I've lost moments in time that I can't account for at all. And then I was very fortunate that they didn't have my room available yet. So I was on the recovery ward for a really long time. So we had a lot of bonding <gasps> there, but it was just – it was kind of like it was just like trying to get her on the boob, like straight mm. away. That was all there was. But it was still very like in such a sterile Clinical. environment because mm. it was in one of those, um, you know, curtained off kind of little squares that you have and you could hear everyone else milling around mm. and other babies coming out of theatre with their mums and then other mums going into theatre. Mm. Like it was just it wasn't lovely um, but it was what I got Mm. um you know in hindsight I would have loved a beautiful heated room you know skin to skin my kid was like she had like you know this much skin available (laughs) because she's got the hat on she's bound up in like her onesie and the blanket and all the things like it wasn't how I wanted it to be at all so yeah the bonding I think took a really long time fast yeah yeah I remember John was freaking out because when I gave birth to Valentina like a couple of hours like yeah like literally two hours I was wheeling her back to our room and he was like I can't believe you're walking Mm. like you've just given birth and you're like you're just wheeling our baby back to the room and I only think about that now thinking yeah that is pretty (laughs) that is pretty crazy that they just sort of let you yeah do that Mm. uh yeah I don't know yeah I was private as well and I think I mm. got wrapped up in the whole well I need to make that investment yeah and you know that's just sort of what you do but yeah I feel like I got ripped I didn't get the hotel after and (laughs) yeah (laughs) I got incentivized to leave to go home well we couldn't (laughs) get out of there fast enough um, the, hotel. To the hotel? No, to the hotel, oh, to the hotel. because yeah. um, my husband already gets very anxious about um, hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a preemie baby, so mm-hmm. I feel like he's oh. imprinted with, with a bit of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just couldn't sleep properly. There was yeah. so many calls yeah. over the microphones and mm. everything, and I was just like, oh, God. Um, but we had a really great midwife at the hotel and I, we were like one of two families there with one midwife. So it was pretty oh. much, it was almost one-on-one, which is mm. spectacular. Amazing. And I, she was the one who actually 
taught me how to actually properly breastfeed um, and pump because I was not getting yeah. – I was on that buzzer for so many times. Um, so that was great. So once we established that my milk had actually come in and mm. what to do um, – it was pretty smooth sailing, but what I wasn't prepared for was the lack of sleep. Mm. That it's torture. Is is literally torture. Like that's why they yeah. use it in the military. Yeah. You yeah. Know, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Because um, you'll do anything to just oh get God. that sleep. Yeah. I still now, like when I'm, I. If I get really quite anxious, I know it's because I'm tired yeah. and I know that that's still almost a trauma response from mm. my postpartum yeah. that the trauma of not sleeping or not being able to sleep, mm. it just sends me yeah, yeah batty. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. And so then you went home. Went How was home. We were lucky. So my mother-in-law stayed for, I think, 10 days. She was over from Tassie Mm. and she was great. She just kind of milled around and, you know, did meals and washing and all that kind of jazz. But at the same time kind of left us to our devices. So that was lovely. But then she left and my husband went back to work because he was running our business. And that all happened at the same time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And I I also knew that he was going to have to travel overseas in like two or three months as well. So, you know, it became quite scary quite Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, And it was just that onslaught of, oh, my God, this is my life now. And it's just feeding and sleeping and attending to my baby and I think the thing that I really struggled with the most is because I, my identity was so wrapped up in my career mm-hmm. and that was gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who the hell am I? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? Yes. And I felt in my bones, I was like, there's something, something is changing. Something is different. I don't, it's not that I didn't like the person I was. It's just the unknown scared. Yeah. Again, it comes back to the control, control. thing you know, contacted my psychologist, booked in sessions with her, and I was convinced I had postpartum depression. And mm. I kept begging her. I was like, please, I, there's something something not quite right. And she's like, this is motherhood. Your brain is changing. It's all changing, Renee. It's okay. This is normal. And mm. I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure about this? She's like, absolutely. And we ran through all the different things about, you know, what the telltale signs are for postpartum depression. She's like, you don't have any of those. Mm. This is just motherhood. Like this is you learning that this is the new kind of person that you are. Do you think that (sighs) you were, do you think you were more connected to that because of your science background and sort of you were more... Um, innately aware of those changes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the research tells us that people who have pre-existing mental health issues and anxiety, Mm -hmm. type A personalities like myself, struggle more in motherhood. 
because we just have these expectations yeah. of like this is how it's always been, so this is how it's going to be, and then you know you get the wrecking ball come through your life, and you're like, uh, yeah. hold on a minute, this is not what I planned. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough gig, and like you know, stupid stuff. Like I've said this a million times. Like I had two batches of spaghetti bolognese sauce in my freezer, and I was like, I got this. Mm. Like how ludicrous does that sound saying it you, now, right? But honestly, I like I was like, yeah, this, this like I'm going to have, I legitimately thought I'm going to have so much time mm. because in my brain all I was computing was I don't have to go to work anymore and therefore yeah. those hours can be filled with cooking and cleaning and walking to the cafe and like mm-hmm. milling around with other mums and going to mother's group and things like that. I had never accounted for, you know, postnatal depletion, um, this severe anxiety that I had with the sleep deprivation, like nothing prepared me for that whatsoever. We always come back to this in this podcast and it's that whole concept of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. It's like, how could you, and you know, you say now that it's ludicrous that you you only had two batches of spaghetti bolognese sauce, but you didn't know. No, you know? exactly. But I think this is the crazy thing, right? And this is what is not in the mainstream is that all these first time parents still have this picture of all of the things that you've mm-hmm. just talked Putting about. Putting the baby down, drowsy, but awake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that it's one, all that. Oh, that's that. my favourite. <laughs> yeah, so how, how do we, like, how do we articulate that and say, no, no, plan for these things? Like, mm. it ends up actually being more important than the pregnancy and mm. the yeah. birth. Obviously, everybody's different, but these things are actually the things that matter in the postpartum. Yeah, I think, um, well... I'm all about education. Yeah. And I think um, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And so the more oxygen that we give to those conversations without terrifying people as yeah. well, because it's a fine line, right? Um, it, that's the only way that we're going to get through with people. But I also think science, like people are driven by data. Yeah. And yeah. so there needs to be more research around women's health and the benefits of, you know, certain things. Yeah. And like just, and it's, I, it's not going to happen in our generation. Mm. It's, no, not. it's not. But I think, you know, the things that we do for our children, how we demonstrate to them about the importance of proper, good postpartum care Mm -hmm. versus, you know what, you can spend X amount on some fandangle pram Mm -hmm. or you can invest that money into a postpartum doula, for example. One of my client's husband says this to every single person who will listen, buy the Kmart cot or the Ikea cot and get a doula. He's like, it is the best money we ever spent. I was their doula for their second child and he, yeah, it's... There there just has to be more conversation and I think I'm hoping in my daughter's generation it will come. Like she already says to me, like she's obsessed with babies. And so every time I talk about the fact that, you know, I'm going to go look after a mum, she's like, oh, one day, mum, I'm going to come with you and I get to look after the babies while you look after the mum. And I'm like, yes, this is what needs to happen. We need to be the role models for the next generation and go, you know what, 
that Instagram worthy nursery means nothing. No, nothing. But also normalizing caring for people who have had babies in your community. Like, you know, oh, my neighbor had yeah. a baby and I took a pie and some stuff over and I made sure my children knew that I was doing that. Yeah. And anytime a friend has a baby, I make sure they know so-and-so had a baby, we're dropping them food because I want that to be all they've ever known. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It my should two just be the most normal to, thing. Yeah, my two are starting to obviously creating home and doing all of that, you know, Seb already says, oh, can I come over, you know, next door and when, you know, the babies are there and I'm like, oh, mate, we'll just see, it'll <laughs> depend. But he's even like he talks to his friends about it Yeah. Um, and one of his friends' mum is having her third and she's just fallen pregnant um, and, you know, they talk, Sebby says, oh, your mum will need to rest you know, after and, you know, oh, she can come and stay at home if you want. And <laughs> But I agree with you. It's that passing of information and education to the next generation where I think it will it will happen. Yeah. Um, and it probably won't be perfect for their generation either, but oh, there'll be, no. at least there'll be a lot more knowledge. Yeah. It To me, it's kind of regaining that village that we've lost yeah. in the West. Absolutely. You yeah. know, it, it's the passing of information. It's the sharing of experiences, yeah. all of those things. You know, as you say, taking meals over to people's houses, it's small things that make huge differences to people's worlds. Mm. And we've just lost that with all the nuclear family kind of interactions yeah. that mm -hmm. we've got now. Yeah. So. And I have heard arguments for... <laughs> You know, some people like not having a village because they like doing things their way and they don't want to be told how to breastfeed or how to do this or how to do that and they don't want their baby to be taken from them. But I think just not having that, not having any support at all is just so detrimental. Yeah. Oh, the research goes against it. It yeah. really does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, because we look at other cultures, they're thriving. Yeah, you know, yeah people who are who've had babies are like lifted up as mm -hmm. like the queen of mm -hmm. the village totally mm -hmm. looked after as you should be you should be treated like a queen exactly like you are literally birthing the next generation i don't know what can be more important than that but it's and even yet it's in, just yeah sorry sorry what? jess oh are it's just so dismissed you know it's mm. just it is but i think we fundamentally we have to start even at when um you know us as girls going to women even start to menstruate. Yes. Right? Oh, we, yeah. That is the, that we, is the beginning. That is I the think. beginning yeah. of it, right? So my best girlfriend, Divya, is Indian and she they celebrate mm. that first bleed that mm -hmm. they have and the family come over and she's given a hot water bottle and she was celebrated and everyone cooked her food and even the men came over and, you know, so it was a real ceremony. And I have said to Valentina, when you, you know, when you get your first period, we're doing this. And she's like, mom, really? I'm like, no, no, we are doing this because it's amazing. Yeah. And I think mm. that we carry all of the issues that we have now, we carry that right, because of this societal like, oh, well, good luck, you know, yeah. like, and this whole – but we sort of do that with birth and postpartum after. Oh, we go, absolutely. oh, good luck with your sleep and like mm. – yeah. and it's that whole sort of – It's a snowball effect. I, I agree completely. Um, it's a conversation that I have similarly with my daughter about yeah. – like she's very curious about periods and mm, what happens. Mm. And Do you both know about period, Queen? Yes. Is that where you – Lucy – not Lucy Folk on um, Instagram. Lucy, 
I can't remember her it's, full name. Um, she's got a podcast as well, and it's aimed at young girls who are going through. I've seen the like almost like the celebratory kind of boxes that you can get yeah, with that's cool you know too. things like that. Yeah, yeah they're super that, cute. Uh, like I honestly can't wait for my daughter to yeah. <laughs> to get Same. her first period because I just think it's so wonderful and just to normalise it. And I have conversations with her now where previously, you know, she's six now, so I can have conversations with her. Um, but she's so mindful of the fact that now I'm like I'm getting my period today and I need to go and rest. And it's not to say we can't hang out. Like she will literally sit on the bed next to me and yeah. you know, with her iPad for 20 minutes and I'm like, I just need to have a rest before mm. I can come play with you. And she's so down with that and she's just like, oh, do you need anything, Mum? Darling, and mine is movie night now. Oh, I'm mm. like, movie night, movie afternoon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> movie day, <laughs> movie day. Yes, we get yeah. Uber Eats. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I actually stock my freezer for my period. Oh, I, I, I yeah. have tried to do that if I'm like on track. Yeah, I don't always, but and, and, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Uber Eats as well. Yeah. My boys know, they we call it mama blood. Oh, you've got, I've, you know, I've got my mama blood. They know that I need a lot of chocolate and yeah. oh, a lot darling, of rest. That's so and cute. Yeah, it's, it's um, important. On that anyway, note. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. on that note, mama blood, let's um, thank you so much, Renee. We will chat to you in the next episode and we're going to talk all things sciencey and fact. Awesome. Get into it. Thank <laughs> you. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and their guest speakers. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. This podcast is for informational purposes only and content here should not be taken as medical or professional advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any personal recommendations and medical care. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate based on the best available information at the time of recording, we welcome any comments, suggestions or feedback via our website contact form, home.com.au forward slash contact. Names and details of personal experiences may have been changed to allow for anonymity and privacy. To join the conversation, join us on social media at Home Postpartum.